1: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today.
0: This is Broad Radio for you by you.
1: Broad Radio.
2: Here for more. Hello, hello, and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Joe Stanley, and my co-host this morning is the beautiful and colorful and glorious Carrie Stanley. Good morning. <laughs> oh, good morning, darling Joe. And if you're a Star Wars fan, may the Fourth be with you. Ah, yes, yes. I, I. <laughs> I've, I've had many years rolling my eyes at that particular. Point. I
3: know it popped up this morning on my socials. And went, oh, we're here again. We Nothing here year is again. fast.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, okay. So today is not about May the Fourth or Star Wars. Today is all about Mother's Day, which is coming up on Sunday. We've got a bumper show coming up for you. It's the mother of all shows. Let's say that. And we're celebrating oh, boom, boom. women who do amazing things and happen to mother as well. So we have glorious indie artist and disability activist Eliza Hull joining us in just a moment former Elle magazine editor Justine Cullen is joining us she's got a book that is launching today called semi-gloss she's going to give us the behind the scenes of running a magazine and raising four boys count them my goodness and the I, hilarious uh... <laughs> Nellie Thomas author of Some Mums Are Fat Moles is joining us as well we love her so I...
3: <laughs> Love that. I cannot wait for that conversation. That's just the best title ever.
2: <laughs> it really is. Oh, so Carrie, it is all about Mother's Day yes. today. Um, what's your vibe on Mother's Day?
3: Um, I've found over the last couple of years, and we'll have a conversation about that a little bit uh, into the show, a little bit more challenging, mm. but... You know what? I remember as a kid thinking, you know, there's a Mother's Day and there's a Father's Day. And, of course, as a naive child thinking, why aren't there kids' days? (laughs) (laughs) And, And, of course, as you get old, you go, um... Every day it's about children <laughs> when you're a
2: parent. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, we are celebrating mothers of all kinds today, mothers that have different experiences of parenting and, um, and I guess children who have different experiences of their mothers as well. So um, it's going to be a really interesting show and we want to bring as much diversity as possible. Before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. If you are watching on YouTube, we'd love it if you liked and subscribed. If you're watching on Facebook, you could like and follow us. That'd be awesome. You can catch up via the podcast, Broad Radio on the Go. There it is. Uh, And you can catch that on any uh, platform that you listen to your podcasts. And we'd love it if you commented, shared your thoughts throughout the show today. That would be really awesome. Um, And Also, you can always engage with us uh, and share us your opinions on our More To Say poll, which we run every week. And uh, we've been doing that in the last week. Our question has been, Kerry, are high heels dead, right? Are high heels dead? That's a very
3: good question. Um, A little bit to me because plantar fasciitis is an absolute bitch. (laughs) So, (laughs) heels are not my friend but i have been a bit of a sneaker girl for quite some time but i did recently buy in sydney last week a pair of glitter platform boots oh glorious pretty good they're pretty good they are glorious
2: (laughs) do you know i feel like plantar fasciitis is something that's handed to you when you turn 40 (laughs) it's like a little thing that comes in in your birthday card (laughs) <laughs> it really is. And
3: you, you mentioned it, you're hobbling and you're going, you're right, we've done something. asked oh, just bled our as And they went, oh, yeah, had that. Um, I'm off to the podiatrist today to get my
2: orthotics. It's a rite of passage. It, it really is. But we raised this question because last week, Gloria's Chloe Zhao, who, of course, won the Oscar for Best Director for No Man Land, And, oh, my God, I watched that film on the weekend. And I don't know if you've seen yes. it, Kerry, but it broke my heart yep. open.
3: Oh, my God. It, what, a, what a glorious film and uh, so much so that I bought my mum's in Brisbane and I rang her that day after I saw it and said, right, I'm sending you to the movies and I booked her a seat at a cinema and sent her away to see it because it was just glorious, yeah. It,
2: it is just an extraordinary film and aren't you a nice daughter for doing that for your mum? But, yeah, so oh. Chloe Zhao walked the red carpet in, in Trainers, right? Love
3: that. Um, I loved it.
2: So we asked the question, are heels dead? And the results, 81% of our respondents said, hells yes.
3: (laughs) Is that a sign of of our our darling viewers and listeners? (laughs)
2: It could could be our demographic, which we embrace gloriously. Um, But you know what? Uh, We're modern ladies and we're embracing the funky trainers. But yes, today we're celebrating mums of all different kinds, mums with different experiences. Now, Kerry, I know that you are adopted. So your yes. experience of Mother's Day and, and you, you have reconnected with your biological mother, um, What does that make Mother's Day different for you? Look, I, when I was
3: growing up, I used to, especially as, a, I guess, a teen, I used to wonder what my birth mother was thinking on Mother's Day. Like, I, I thought that she would be in trauma um knowing that i was a coerced or a forced adoption so i used to kind of sympathize and and then when i got to meet her i did ask her how it was for the days and yes it was always a difficult um time for her but now moving forward that we've been in contact now for the last six years i think it is seven years now that um yeah we, we have have a conversation she's in perth so i don't get to see her but yes i reach out and say hi and happy mother's day it's kind of, yeah, to both mum and my birth mum, yeah, to, to Peter and Jill. So it's kind of lovely. I've got two amazing women in my pockets.
2: Yeah, yeah. wow. I think um, it's really important going into Mother's Day to really acknowledge that there is not one universal version of mothering, basically.
3: Absolutely. You know, parenting and mothering is comes across in many different formats. But of course, we've got our, our carers and our, our foster parents and foster mothers and guardians and... Um, And even, you know, our chosen family, you know, many children, especially in the LGBTQI plus communities, um, uh, don't have supportive families, so they find their chosen families. Yeah, so that it's uh, it comes across in many ways.
2: Yeah, I I, I love that. Um, we really wanted also to bring the stories of all kinds of people who mother whilst they do awesome other things. And our first guest is one such woman. She is a writer. She was recently included in the wonderful book Growing Up Disabled in Australia. She's a glorious singer. We're going to hear some of her music in just a moment as well. And she's a disability activist and a mum to Isabel and Archie. We welcome Eliza her hello Eliza
4: hello how are you thank you so much for me. hello Eliza
2: it is so gorgeous to see you um in there you are in uh country Victoria on a gorgeous crisp morning um Eliza I just I wonder and I, I go straight to your disability activist side of things here um has uh has having a disability changed your experience of being a mother
4: yeah I mean absolutely definitely it's uh, right from the beginning, it's changed my experience. When I first um, fell pregnant, I just felt like there was absolutely nothing out there that represented me as a impending mother and you know you get given all these incredible parenting books, but I just felt like there was nothing out that represented me as as a parent to be. Uh, so right from the beginning that un- underrepresentation, Made me feel slightly afraid of what it was going to be to be a mother with a disability. I have a condition that's called Charcot Marie Tooth. Uh, it has nothing to do with my teeth. <laughs> it's just the, the name that was uh, the founding three French uh, founding medical professionals uh, that founded uh, my condition. Uh, it affects the way that I parent in every way. I have uh, so I walk differently. I can't carry my children when I'm walking around because I fall over a lot, uh, you know, quite regularly. Um, I have muscle weakness in my hands and my legs. And I'm also dealing with a lot of pain and constantly tired. (laughs) So it definitely has affected my parenting. But I also see it as affecting my parenting in a positive way. I, I was just thinking about this this morning that, you know, having a body that moves differently and that looks different, that already is teaching my children that all, you know, all bodies are different, all mothers are different. And by being somebody that's from a diverse group of people, it's also teaching my children that, you know, diversity is so important and it's what makes uh, our society so great.
3: Mm and i get how it's your how old are your children at the moment
4: so i've got a 6 year old and a 1 year old uh, archie's just turned 1 last week so i am very much in the thick, thick of <laughs> young children <Yes>. right now
3: <laughs> so your so your eldest is at primary school obviously and i guess you know when they're um, exposed to, I guess, as you said, all different, type of pe- all different types of people um, and they would see then the comparison, are, you, know, you know, their friend's mum is different to my mum and all of that. So conversations would be happening, I would imagine, all the time with these little ones.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I make sure that we have a really wide representation of, uh, you know, all types of people within our books, movies, TV shows, uh, and we just have conversations. And we also have a lot of, a lot of my friends have uh, disabilities, So we are constantly having people within our home that has a disability. And that's just so great because, these conversations, as you said, they're, they're they're happening, and it means that I feel like my children have that. Um, no, I guess just that knowledge, and it's it's such a good thing to have to be able to go out into the world and understand people and understand unique differences. Um, recently, I when my daughter was in kindergarten, we were in the the line and to to go inside. It was during COVID and. My daughter had to get her temperature checked to go inside, and a little boy—it's actually the first time that one of my daughter's friends said to her, uh, to his mother, "Why does she walk like that? It, you know, why does she walk so funny?" And I really wanted to step in into this conversation and, I guess, use it as a chance to just talk openly. And the mother said, "Oh, you know, she's she's hurt herself. She's just hurt herself." and the mother actually knew that I that's not true that I actually have a disability I've had a disability since I was five years old and so I just feel like there's still this idea that disability is a negative disability is something that we shouldn't talk about and it should just be an accident or it should just be something that we can just kind of palm off whereas I really believe Children, you know, they're the the people of the future. So these conversations need to happen and disability is not a bad thing. Disability is not a bad word. Uh, You know, there are barriers in this world that people with disability face, but I truly believe that disability is a a wonderful thing and it's part of my identity and it makes me very proud.
2: Do you feel Mm. that you need to then arm your daughter and Archie, your son, when he's older to... Assist them to respond to situations like that.
4: Yeah, I do. I do. I I think that, especially think that the teenage years will be tricky because we all know that the the pressures of high school, Um, whether you come from a diverse background or not, it's it's um, hard territory as teenagers. So of course, I'm definitely going to make sure that I continue to talk about differences and talk about disability and make sure that they understand that it's not a negative and it's um, something that I'm immensely proud of and it's something that they should be proud of.
3: When my children were um, teenagers in high school, I, I mean, I came out when they were quite little, but it we, we had many conversations around um, our community and that they had to almost educate their friends to speak a particular language Well to take out, because using that term, oh, that's so gay, was, and lots of other terms, was so derogative. And it was something so simple as to go, all right, well, Connor and Rani, it's up to you to pull your mates aside and go... You know, that's we don't do that anymore. Or that's not good enough. And I guess you know something similar will happen with your children. It will be you know, on their shoulders because it's so normal for them. Um, they've grown up with this, grown up with you, and all this great education for them to to just to unfortunately undo that fear based um, sensation that you know the parents have instilled in them. You know, to kind of break that down. You'll probably find that that yeah. will happen well, a fair amount. I would imagine.
4: Yeah. I hope that they feel strong enough and proud enough to do that. I hope that I've given that them that ability to feel like they can do that. But also I don't want to feel like it's up to them to do that. I, I don't think it's up to yeah. disabled people or the children of disabled people to always be the person that's out there being advocates. I think it's up to everybody actually like non-disabled people need to start thinking about disabled people more in providing that access and providing inclusion. It's not always up to the people. But, you know, hopefully I do give them that that sense of, you know, pride that they feel like they can if, if the opportunity arises and they want to.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. It is in is up to every single one of us. Um, you have produced a series for the ABC called We've Got This and you're also writing a book of the same title, which is coming out next year. Um, what would you like people to understand that perhaps we don't now understand about parenting with a disability?
4: Uh, look, I think... The, you know, I've started to delve into this book. I'm, I'm nearly finished. It's taken a long time, especially when you've got a six-year-old and a one-year-old. Yes. Uh, so I've, <laughs> I've interviewed now uh, part of the, the collection. I've interviewed about 10 parents and then we've had another 12 parents write their own stories as well and then I'm writing my own story within it. And the common thread is that the medical uh I guess the medical system is one of the the biggest parts of what needs to change because parents face so much discrimination when they're going for an ultrasound, when they're uh, you know in the birthing suite. Just just the the things that people say you just would not believe, Um, and. So I think that's a real common thread. I think there really needs education around uh, what it means to be a parent with disability. But I also, I really want people to learn that, you know, we are just ordinary parents and whilst we make changes um, within our home so that we can parent, you know, well, we, we are. We're just, we're just like everybody else. Um, you know, I interviewed parents that are that are blind and, you um, when the little ones were uh, you know toddlers, they'd put bells on their feet, so in the garden, when they are in the backyard, they could hear where they were. Um, you know when I interviewed parents that were deaf, they would have a, a baby cry alarm that in the night would flash brightly so that they could know that their baby is crying. So all of these things that we do to make sure that we can parent, um, I think they're, you know they, they're unique. But then, when you go inside these homes, you realize that these children are, are thriving, and they, you know, they've got incredible parents that, are, you know, not only teaching them about diverse way of life, but they're just, just like everybody else. So I think uh, that that's why the book is really about universal parenting, but also about ways that we can adapt and change. And I think. Um, Having a disability, especially when you have a disability that you've had all your life, you've already got used to that. So actually you're you're probably in the best position to be an incredible parent because you've had to learn how to adapt all your life.
3: Yeah, and music is such a big part of your life, Eliza. Um, I think it's, um, oh, my God, what a skill to have. I mean, I wish I could sing. I can in the shower. But but, um, taking that through, um, just as as a little side note, do you, I think you seen as a cool mum? Because I think it's really cool that like you could mm, sing. Do you, I'm mm. uh, obviously Archie, not so much being so little, but um, your daughter,
4: does she look up to you and, and think, oh, well, mum's just so amazing? Uh, look, yeah, to be honest, for a long time she probably didn't really understand, I guess, um, how much I sing. I think, you know, <laughs> she's always heard me on the piano and heard me writing songs. She has heard some of my songs in TV shows, which I think really made her feel pretty proud Uh, but recently I've been working with the Bendigo South Sudanese community I'm working on a new theatre work with them and she came along and watched uh, the performance me performing with the women and she was just absolutely blown away and has made a little picture book about mum and how she's a singer and how she's working with the South Sudanese community So that's, yeah, that that made me feel really proud of that. I'm a cool mom. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And also I've always thought that musical parents just have an extra string to their bow, pardon the pun, but, you know, it just gives you a triple threat in a way because you can really, I don't know, bring parenting alive when you're musical. I'm I'm a bit envious.
4: (laughs) Yeah, look, actually I think, you know, yeah, I think you're right. I love singing to my children and it's always been part of our lives. So, yeah, it's, it is a great thing.
2: Now, uh, Eliza, I'm going to be asking every single mum that we speak to today about this because I think that as mothers, we rarely give ourselves permission to care for ourselves. We're juggling, juggling a lot uh, every day. And so I'm asking in, in support of each other um, for some tips on how we care for ourselves. So can you tell me what is one thing that you do to help you be he- healthier or happier?
4: One thing I do well, I write in my journal, I feel like that helps just writing things down. I make sure that I have plenty of time to have a bath. It's like my favorite thing. Because of my disability as well, I have really cold legs and cold hands because my blood circulation isn't getting down to my feet. And so baths are definitely part of my self care routine. And just, you know, Nice cups of tea, dark chocolate, oh, <laughs> all those beautiful things. I'm writing all this down, actually. Sounds
3: <laughs> glorious. I, think I is... do miss my bath. I don't have a bath in my house currently and I miss it immensely.
2: <laughs> I think that is a good handbook for modern living. Journal, bath, tea, dark chocolate. What a, what a glorious yep, go. <laughs> Um So, Eliza Hull, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to play one of your songs in just a moment, which I absolutely loved. But I just want to mention that you are playing this Saturday. If you're in Melbourne, you can head along and see this incredible gig called Amplify. Can you tell us a bit about this gig?
4: Yeah, so this Saturday night at the Collingwood Yards, uh, there's an event, as you said, called Amplify, and it is amplifying the voices of disabled musicians. Uh, So there'll be five of us performing, and also the art of disabled artists. So there's going to be an exhibition happening, and it's a fully accessible show. So for um, people with physical disability, it's accessible. There's also going to be an Auslan interpreter. There's going to be uh, audio descriptions for people that are blind or have low vision, and it's also going to be a relaxed performance uh, for people that might have sensory sensitivities.
2: What a glorious That night. sounds amazing.
4: Doesn't it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Sounds absolutely beautiful. So head along to Amplify if you can this Saturday night. If you're in Melbourne, we're going to play one of your beautiful songs. This song is called Hard Way. Can you tell us just a little bit about this song before we play it there, Eliza?
4: This is really just a, a love song, but a love gone wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just a, about a relationship that just clearly wasn't going to work out.
2: Okay. Well, check out Eliza's music online. You can check her out at Elizahull.com. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Eliza, thanks so
4: really much for And we
2: look forward to this. your book as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and thank you so much. This song is called Hard Way.
3: her voice is amazing oh to sing like that I
2: know wouldn't you give anything I have to say thank you to Chloe who's given us a little comment on Facebook she says my mum was a singer and I just got used to going to gigs and thought all mums did it (laughs) oh great I I love it when you're at a gig and you're
3: seeing um parents there with their little ones bounce on hip and they've got their head the um noise muffling headphones on i went oh Oh, i love that (laughs)
2: absolutely (laughs) these kid's is like yeah i know it is the best oh i love that thanks for that comment there chloe you can comment anytime on facebook or youtube
0: broad radio talking inspo we love info we need and sharing more of us watch and listen live every tuesday 9am australian eastern daylight savings time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere. Every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis, (laughs) we've got you covered. Broad Radio.
5: Here
2: for more. Kerry, our bumper Mother's Day episode of Broad Radio continues and um, we are celebrating and acknowledging different kinds of mother experiences today. And I think one that often isn't acknowledged at Mother's Day is the mother who has experienced that profound grief of losing a child. And I think it's really important that we do acknowledge that because going into Mother's Day can be a really painful experience. And I know that Kerry, you lost your beautiful daughter Rani when she was 18. So what is Mother's Day like for you?
3: Yeah, Joe, it's really funny. Even leading up to the first one after Rani had passed, it was the actual lead up to it that was, I think the most difficult being triggered a lot now. It's been. This will be the third one without her. Um, of course, I still have my son Connor, and he's heaven. Um, but I find I'm just getting triggered a, a fair bit. I was at the gym the other day, and I love my gym. It's all women's space, and uh, there was lots of mums and bubs there. Um, and seeing them interacting, and and they so were talking about Mother's Day, and I just had to leave the room. I got teary and. Um, and had to kind of go and recompose myself and come back together uh, to be in the space. So, how was it? Look, um, at times it's difficult, but then I have to remember that I still have, uh, you know, my son. He's he's still here, and I, in fact, recently uh, we 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 both got. I've got a big tattoo on my arm in in memorial of Rani, and Connor has been wanting something for uh, several years. So. Uh, he got his done last Monday, and he's got a gorgeous Lisa and Bart Simpson tattoo that um, that I got for him. So it's just it's so heaven that um, you know we're kind of we, we would, I was having a moment with him. Uh, I was meant to be with him when he was getting done, but I was interstate. So we're texting each other while he's doing, and it was pretty it was very difficult in that in that moment. And um, and he was saying, oh, "I feel Rani's with me. You know, she's she's here." What um, he on The experience was, um, you know, I like it, but slightly annoying.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Just like Rani. (laughs) I just (laughs) love (laughs) that. And it was just really sweet for him to kind of have these. I said he's almost 26 now. And and to have that, you know, that kind of being able to joke about it, but know that it's just kind of ever-present. So it really brings for me, being really mindful of of women out there who have lost their mothers, that have lost their children, that kept, that have fertility issues, that have all those things around parenting, it's extremely difficult and very triggering to have a day like Mother's Day coming up.
2: Mm. So
3: at times they would have had joyful experiences with it and um, another times not so much.
2: Have you got any, I don't know if advice is the right word, but for women who are heading into Mother's Day feeling that grief, um, what, what would you share with them that might perhaps... What's your been, you you know, an assistance for you perhaps?
3: Sure. I think um, I'd personally had always been that yes person, I'm okay, everything's great, you know, I had the smile on my face and all of that kind of thing. But I think just be true to yourself and go, look, you know what, in that moment I'm not okay or, you know, it depends on when you ask me how I'm feeling, that to acknowledge it and to to be honest with yourself and honest with those around you. Find your, your support network and allow yourself to have that vulnerability and and to be okay in that if you've got the right people and support network around you to allow you to be in that moment. So I think just be honest. And if you want to hide away, then do so, and that's absolutely fine. Do whatever works for yourself. Because I know, like, even leading up to um, Rani's death, she died by suicide and had um, a lot of mental health issues leading to um, lead, leading up to that with all the support in the world that we could give to her with the professionals and so so forth but I know that um I came across uh, a lot of a fair bit of backlash from some people in my life that I thought were close friends that uh, certainly didn't agree with how I was handling it um and so uh, I know that I had to cut them off Mm -hmm. and even though a lot of a couple of them had been in my life for many many years and but no to go you know what you're not being supportive to me. I don't, I'm going off on a tangent here, mm. but, you know, knowing, knowing, put your boundaries in place, knowing that, you know, it's okay, whatever works for you, you're doing the best you can with the tools that you have.
2: And I think, uh, I think too yeah. what you're saying there, uh, Kerry, is that for those of us who are around someone who we know may be hurting or may be facing Mother's Day with a particular kind of pain, um, our job is to be good friends and to be supportive of whatever yes. that person needs. It's a pretty simple thing.
3: I completely agree with you Mm. absolutely so just do whatever works for yourself that's however that looks and it's Mm. different for everybody
2: Yeah. yeah absolutely so if you're heading into mother's day this weekend with uh some pain or heaviness our hearts are with you we'll have more broad radio after this Well, we continue to speak with mothers who have very broad experiences and perspectives on life and uh, we're super thrilled to welcome uh, a person who really is honest about the life of being a chicken, a mother. Um, welcome, <laughs> comedian and author of Some Mums Are Fat Moles, Nellie Thomas.
5: <laughs> Hello, Carrie. Hi. Hello, Joe. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, what an yeah. intro. I'm so glad I wrote oh, this book.
3: I know. I'm so, I'm so glad you did too, because firstly, so you can educate everyone on how molds is spelt.
5: 100%. Oh, Gary, don't even don't even get me started. I made the mistake of putting that on Facebook oh, of whether ooh. to spell it M O L E or M-O-L-L. I can say, I have a degree in politics, right? I, I like I can engage with debate. I've never seen anything like it. People were furious. <laughs> I had to moderate the comments.
3: <laughs> Which side of the fence did it go to? Of course, I went to M O Double L
5: because that was my yes. initial instinct. Um, but I did yeah. give a nod to the mol so on the front cover. It's like someone's graffitied M-O-L-E and then crossed it out and <laughs> written M O L. The big <laughs> issue, ladies, the big issue. Oh, jeez. Um, Nellie, what does Mother's Day look like for you? Oh, I don't know what it's going to look like yet. I mean, it was quite interesting just listening to that conversation. Um, I've got mixed feelings about Mother's Day, I think. Like it's fraught for a lot of people for different reasons. You know, if you're not close to your own mum or if you're grieving someone you've lost. Like I was really close to my nana. So I really miss her leading up to that. Um, And then there's also, you know, celebrating my role as a mother. I don't like the commercial aspect of it. I don't like the really gendered kind of advertising that comes along with Mother's Day. So I've got like all this sort of mixed feel. I mean, I'll take the breakfast in bed is probably where I end up, you know.
3: (laughs) Burnt toast all the way. <laughs> yeah,
5: some burnt, exactly, burnt waffle and some like, you know, that cream out of a can because oh. that's like. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that in my house. The kids think that is, that's like Christmas Day.
2: You are the author of some mums are fat moles, but also you have some <laughs> girls, some boys and some brains, right? Yeah. These are these yeah. kids' books that are, yeah. you know, It's kind of almost uh, an education process that you're going through and helping kids and understand all the different ways of living life, I suppose. Do you reckon parenting is super hard because we're having to train our kids in more complicated issues these days?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. I was listening to Eliza, your previous guest, before. I'm obsessed with Eliza and now I'm going to go and find everything she's ever done ever because she was wonderful. Um, but, yeah, I think disability is a really interesting example, isn't it? Where When we were kids, um, there's no way there would have been discussions about disability and difference other than in a very kind of patronising way. Um, if those discussions were had at all. Whereas I think for all the criticism that modern parents get, a lot of us really are trying to engage um, with these kinds of sophisticated identity issues and world issues in a way that you know previous generations maybe haven't, whether they haven't had the tools to or they didn't want to, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, we are engaging with a lot of complexity And, you know, really trying to raise good little humans. And I I guess my books are just like an attempt to help with that and an attempt to, you know, reframe something like disability, for example. All my books have got people with disabilities in them. And, they're not represented, like the kids aren't, you know, sitting in a court and being read to. Like, aren't you a good person if you engage with the little kid in the wheelchair or whatever? Um, Those kids are in there, you know, they're playing tug of war, they're part of the gang, they're part of the community, they're happy, they're laughing. So it's not just about those kids being included, like visually, it's how they're represented as well. I think that's really important.
3: Nala, can you tell our listeners what brought you to writing about this, in, of course, in your personal experience?
5: Yeah, so the first book I started was with some girls because my youngest um, girl who is, you know, she is a loose unit. Like she, <laughs> she's a really interesting kid. Like she got invited to a princess party when she was two and she went as Darth Vader. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like this is the vibe. <laughs> oh, yes. you know, walking in with a... <laughs> and the whole thing (laughs) Um, so she really does her own thing and she is kind of uh, she identifies as a girl but she's definitely gender non-conforming she's been bullied for how she's looked you know we've had a whole I mean I could go into that for for hours I won't but suffice to say she had a hard time and I couldn't find any books that weren't really bloody sad Um, about bullying or about being different. And so that's why I wrote Some Girls. And it's really just about going, you know, you might have short hair, you might have long hair, you might like trucks, you might like Barbies. It's all good, you know, just Mm -hmm. be who you are. Um, And then out of that, of course, when I was sort of spruiking that around and doing readings and stuff, the boys quite rightly would go, what about our book? So then I did that (laughs) one. Um, And... Why don't we have an International Men's Day? They didn't do that. Anyway, that'll come later. Um, uh, but then I finally ended up writing some brains because uh, my beautiful daughter, the eight-year-old, she was diagnosed with autism. Um, and I hate the word diagnosed, but anyway, we discovered she was autistic when she was around five or six. And again, when I went looking for literature that was positive about her brain, you know, that that talk to her like, yes, okay, you have some challenges, as Eliza said, ha- being a person with a disability in the world that we have is not always easy, but can we look at what strengths you have? Can we look at how your brain brings something different to the world and something that we need? And I couldn't find it, honestly. So, again, I just thought I'll write it. And very briefly I wrote some mums because I was sick of writing kids' books and I wanted to swear <laughs> Shit, no. yeah
2: why not yeah
5: <laughs> Good night, mate.
2: but you've had an extraordinary <laughs> response to some brains particularly i know nelly yeah I, I, lo- I love reading the sorts of comments that you get from parents and from yes. kids about that book
5: uh, it's honestly I mean it's it, it's it is the great joy of my career that book like unexpectedly like I, I feel like I get a bit Oprah when I talk about it but you know when people say just like do something that like comes from the heart that you really believe in with sort of no expectations of what will happen that's this project and I've never in my life had such amazing feedback I mean Probably one of my favourite ones was like an occupational therapist messaged me and she said they had some brains on the counter at work and a dad had come in and he was picking up his kid and he was just flicking through it and he turned to her and he said, oh, shit, I'm not stupid, I'm autistic. (laughs) And he had this moment of recognition. This is a grown man but, again, for us, of anyone of our generation or older, so many you know when you hear people go oh we didn't have all these autistic kids in my day yeah we did it was you no one told you (laughs) um it's kind of like there's so many adults who are getting late diagnosed now and for a lot of them they're going oh oh, this makes sense Mm. now i understand why this was hard or i found this communicate i didn't understand what had happened or so it's kind of it's a book for kids but weirdly, a lot of adults have responded to it as well.
2: Yeah. All your books are absolutely oh, beautiful. Yes. And we can get them online. Uh, I think we can get them from your website. Is that right? All of your books? Yeah, you
5: can. That's probably the easiest. So you just go to NellieThomas.com and you'll find them eventually. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> just go searching. Um, so, yeah. Nellie, uh, as we head into Mother's Day, I'm asking everybody this question. All of the mothers yeah. that have joined us today because acknowledging that we don't look after ourselves as much as we would like, but to empower each other. What is your tip that you do, something that you, one thing even, that you do that helps you feel healthier or happier?
5: Yeah, I reckon hide in the shed and have (laughs) a smoke and a gin, right? You can't do that shit in front of your kids but just like take some time on Sunday for a dart and a gin Um, (laughs) or if you want want a serious answer, and again this sounds like a joke but I mean it, I've come to this conclusion, Get out of the house, you know, like all of this, like, I mean, I get it too, like have a bath or, you know, eat a nice meal or talk to a friend on the phone or whatever. I'm just like, you are not going to get peace (laughs) in my house anyway unless you just get out of there. So try when you can to get out of that bloody house.
2: Run for your life. (laughs) Run for your life,
5: kids. Run for your life.
2: Oh, Nellie <laughs> Thomas, gorgeous as ever. Thank you so much for joining us on Broad Radio. Thank you, for Thanks, having
5: Nellie. Been. Happy
2: Mother's Day to both. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know about you, Kerry, but I love fashion magazines. I've loved them since I picked up my first Harper's Bazaar when I was 14 years old and I loved them. Oh, you started fancy. Harper's? Oh, well, I mean, wasn't it... <laughs> Fancy. It was also Dolly Doctor at the same time, you know. I was yes, obsessed with Dolly, absolutely. But... It was Dolly all the way. But don't you remember those gorgeous, the photos and the fashion, the styling, the locations? They were just intoxicating for me. Um, Completely. But I also love a woman who takes on the world whilst having a thousand children attached to her hip. So, hence, (laughs) I'm really excited to welcome our next guest this morning. Justine Cullen is a former editor of Elle magazine. She has a book that is being released today. It's called Semi Gloss and she joins us now. Hi, Justine. Hello. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Hello Justine (laughs) Congratulations on the book Justine Um, Now you say that it's not really a memoir It's not self-help It's not a tell-all book Um, But what I see it as Is a story of a very ambitious and brilliant woman Who landed her dream job Editor of Elle magazine And had a child all within the same month
0: pretty much (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's extraordinary What an achievement even in that moment Do you know what is really interesting is that every single time I've had a child, and you're right, that's a thousand times, (laughs) I seem to have changed a job or got a new job or been in the middle of getting a job. So there's always been something which has meant that I've never had maternity leave. But worth it, I guess.
3: Justin, I really enjoyed your book. I saw a lot of myself in you, I guess, in your early days go-getter you knew what you wanted or you fudged your way through it which i also completely identified with <laughs> so, so i absolutely fudging. so much fudging i completely related but what i loved i took away from that is that you also said that work was your identity and you didn't want to you know have uh, your team or anyone in your workspace um take that away from you being a mother i mean that's that's an important place to be i i, I thoroughly uh, identified with that as well
0: yeah i mean i i think there are, are a couple of things like one was that my identity was way more caught up with um with my job than i had ever imagined and secondly that i was always pushing against this idea of identifying too much as um as a mother and so yeah i i feel like there were these two sort of elements of my life that i wasn't quite sure sort of how i fit in once i'd left that job and um and and my idea of who i was got a bit shaken up.
2: But I found it really interesting too, Justine, that it seemed like you never felt like you had to make the choice between career and real goals, like massive goals and having children, which I think a lot of women feel like, oh, I just can't, I can't fathom doing the two. Was there ever a moment where you did feel like you had to choose or you just kind of kept on
0: forging your way? I don't think I was ever that smart or strategic (laughs) about it. I'm very much sort of do it first and work it out later and and i feel like as women we really do overthink things and, and i definitely have a tendency to do that so you know there was a time for example the time when i was going for the role at l and i was really sure that this magazine was launching and it was my dream job and i really wanted that job but i also really wanted to have a baby and, and I was putting off having the baby and then finally someone said to me, you know, God, you could go and have this baby and have another baby and it still won't have launched. Like you just never know what's going to happen. So you kind of can't make these life decisions based around planning everything to the, you know, the nth degree. And thank God I took that advice and I went and had the baby because, you know, in the end I got the job or the, the magazine launched just 3 3 months later after the baby was born and that was you know thank you know I wouldn't have him today <laughs> if I had waited
3: and did you I find that too that a lot of them. yes did you find too that you know when you're taking on these massive roles parenting being the first and foremost like it's, it's a huge role that we never can be prepared for that that you had to find the support network around you to help prop you up and in doing that did you also find that some people dropped by the wayside because they could not relate to being you know working mothers does that make I sense i did find yeah. that so
0: much i i definitely i was the first of my circle of friends to have a baby and so i definitely at that stage went through all of those emotions that i think lots of people have you know i was transitioning into a new life at the same time, my friends were really kicking career goals and I was sort of having to take a step backwards um, in my head. Um, so there was, there, there was some difficulty, I think, in sort of, again, knowing who I was at that time. But then for me, um, having children really gave me a creative surge that I don't think I had before. And while I was always ambitious, I didn't really, um, it, it wasn't, it was only directed at, I, I want that job. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Whereas when I had babies, I was very clear about the kind of magazines that I wanted to make and the kind of women who I wanted to speak to. And so um, if anything, I think having children maybe made me more creative and more directed and brought the right people into my life.
2: Well, I have to ask about the magazine, about the behind the scenes of a magazine like Elle. I, I was a religious reader myself mm. and I guess it's similar. You know, I've had a, many years in radio and people always assume that that was quite a, a glamorous job and it, it couldn't be anything further from the truth. Is this the <laughs> same when you're mm. editing a fashion magazine? Is it everything but a glamorous life?
0: Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. There are parts, of, of course, you know, there are parts of the job that are just middle management, pen pushing, you know, fighting with publishers about what you've spent on careers that month or taxis, you know, these ridiculous kind of the minutiae of, of running a business. Um, but then there are some very, very glamorous parts to being an editor and that's part of, I think, why the industry, you know, mourns the the demise of magazines like that and, how, you know, it's such a sad thing because it's almost, you know, the lifestyle um, Is almost from another time, and go, I mean some of the some of the experiences that we had and the people that that you meet in that role, being flown all around the world, um, constantly. You know, one of the reasons that I left L was that all of a sudden I realised I had four children and I was going to Europe every month, and that probably wasn't going to work for my family. Um, you know, there, there were just some incredible experiences and 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 lots and lots of glamour. It's just countered by the you know the boring parts that that are in any office job, really.
3: Do you think we will see, you know, a resurgence in magazines, in print production? I mean, we understand that it's gone by the wayside and everything's gone digital, but so many people just love the tangibility of a beautiful product. Are we going to see some of them come back? Look, I don't
0: think we'll ever see the glory days of print coming back, unfortunately. Um, I'm the same as you. I love sinking into, you know, the bathtub with a magazine and having that that tangible aspect. It's not quite the same thing when you're scrolling through the same screen that you've been working on all day. Um, I think that there are some wonderful little niche magazines coming up that are really creative and really inspiring. and, And they're very fun. Um, But really, I I think that the next, you know, the next frontier in terms of that content, it it, it will always be digital. It's just, you know, how we enrich that storytelling and how we get um, smarter with how we how we talk to women um, digitally. And I don't know that we're quite there yet. I think that that surge is yet to come. Justine, I wonder...
2: Um, as an editor of a magazine like Elle, and even now I know that you're still working in publishing, are you aware that you are shaping societal attitudes in a lot of ways? That you have a real impact, even on how people see themselves and women specifically. Were you aware of that sort of responsibility?
0: Uh, to a degree, particularly at Elle, where I felt like our role was very much to champion the women of the time. And you know, on other on other magazines, you're all about the designers and the clothes and for me at Elle and for all the L's internationally, I was very aware that for us it was about the women who were wearing the clothes. So there was a degree of that, but I think your role as a magazine is really to reflect the times and what's happening in society and to be able to start those conversations that might already be happening in some degree. It's not really, I think, our job to, you know, it, it's not really our job to shape society. It's more of our job to reflect it, and, and I think that that, is one of the great joys and responsibilities of working in in women's magazines you know that that role that you play as as a voice for women and a platform for women is really important and I was so lucky to edit a magazine like Elle at a time you know through the Me Too movement through um, that sort of new wave of feminism I think I I was so lucky to have a platform like Elle to be able to speak to women at that time.
2: Because you could also then shape the kinds of bodies that we see in magazines or cultural diversity or, you know, there are so many different ways of shifting, I guess, the needle and how we see women specifically by what you put in that magazine. What an what an exciting thing.
0: Yeah, look, I, I wish it could have been more exciting, to, mm. to be honest. I mean, it was constant battle for me and for many other editors and I think probably less now because diversity is such a huge thing and it's so important and everyone's realised that, you um, But, you know, for many, many years in magazines, there was definitely a view that, well, only, you know, a skinny blonde television presenter is going to sell. And that was my my constant fight in the boardroom was to get different different shapes and colors and types of women um and even just you know even just to break out of the mold of the celebrity you know to be able to put other kinds of women on the cover and i think we did that in many ways you know we did lots of incredible portrait series of women and and we had the first cover of a woman breastfeeding that that had ever run in the world and things like that just to be able to tell those different stories but they were not always easy. And and again, another thing I talk about in the book is that those covers often didn't sell. And so it was really yeah. hard for you to have that fight with the suits up on the top floor when they were looking at the numbers. The great thing for me was that social media sort of arose at the same time. And so when a cover was being liked and got lots of attention, it didn't really matter anymore if it sold incredibly well because, you know, advertisers would still advertise with you because they were excited by what you were doing. And I think that that made a massive difference in editors being able to put forward covers that maybe broke out of the mould a little bit. But it took a very long time and I don't, you know, I still don't really think that that magazines are there. And, and you know, it's something I still fight about today particularly in terms of size you know it's really impossible to get samples in bigger sizes to shoot and for me that's you know I tear my hair out because we'll have this wonderful concept and a wonderful model or talent and um and it's still impossible to to get the clothes so it's something that we have to fight at every level of the industry and I think Mm -hmm. fashion is getting there but they're definitely not there yet
3: Justine, I started out as a freelance hair and makeup artist back in the early 90s, so I can certainly relate to what you're saying about um, the uh, having that diversity. There was none, of course, um, in any of those shoots uh, and in all those productions, and yet here we are still talking about that you know, 25, 30 years later, and there's very little change. Or well, It's starting to come through, and I guess that's the advent of social media, thankfully, because the people and the women are speaking. And yeah. hopefully they're being listened to now.
0: Absolutely. But I still think, you know, diversity has to go beyond just skin colour. And um, I would love to see representation of all kinds of women in the magazine, in magazines or people in magazines. Um, you know, I think ableism is something that we really need to, to fight and to be able to see more disabled bodies and, and people who have different takes on life. Um portrayed is is really really important so for me that's the next frontier mm.
2: well Justin, it's been an absolute delight to speak with you this morning about all things magazines i'm fascinated and love them um and do more than them i must say uh but we are also celebrating mums today women who are doing extraordinary things and mothering at the same time um, and we're asking all of the mothers that are joining us what is something that you do for your health or happiness in and around raising four boys
0: um well like most mothers that is very low on my list of priorities um for me it's really about just taking some time out for example this mother's day I'm going away by myself because I love them so much but I don't need to see them every minute of every day at the moment that's (laughs) been a big year I was like you know when you say they say what do you want for mother's day and I'm just like just some peace and quiet and they're all laughing I'm like no actually (laughs) um I think it's really important just to take a little bit of time even if that's locking yourself in a toilet cubicle for a while which I'm also you know I've been known to do um four kids is a lot (laughs) and 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 I also have you know I I sort of have a, a, a big team at work and there's always someone who needs me or wants something from me so lying in a dark room is is all the self-care that I need. Oh, my God. I just love Sounds that.
2: Sounds great. For Mother's Day, I'm choosing not to see my children. I celebrate, <laughs> yeah. I
0: celebrate that great. so much. <laughs> I oh. need it to be said that I do very much love my children. Of course you do. <laughs> oh, there's
3: no doubt, but I love that.
2: <laughs> and I think you're able to love them even more in the times when you don't
0: see them sometimes. Oh, my God. I never love my children more than when they're sleeping or I'm away from them. It's it's <laughs> it's an intense kind of fashion it's true
2: oh justine cullen so delightful to speak with you the book is semi-gloss and it's out today oh get out and get it because it was really fun it's a great read and also i must say quite moving in times um i just really loved your honesty and honesty in there justine it was beautiful
0: thank you so much i really appreciate you having me on today
2: ah oh, thanks justine and uh, yes, we'll justine. have more broad radio after this Carrie, oh my goodness, are you there, Kes? I don't know if she is. <laughs> I've lost her. Well, uh, that has been a very jam-packed broad radio um, and uh, one of my takeaways for Mother's Day is, you know what, just don't see your children. <laughs> That's what I have learned so far from pretty much uh, our last two or three guests. Carrie, this is what we're being told. For Mother's Day, take some time away from your kids. That seems to be the theme of the day. Are you there, Kez? I don't know. If she can hear Hello. me. No, she can't hear me. Do you know what? We're going to wrap up the show. It's been such a big show. We thank all of our guests. Um, I, myself, are heading off now to, man, the Mother's Day stall um, at school. So uh, there's no rest for the wicked. We wish you all a beautiful Mother's Day and uh, we'll see you next week on Broad Radio.
1: Thirty-six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one-dollar-per-month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.